Nicholas Bornholz of Capital Inc. I'd like to welcome you to the Capital Markets panel for uh, shipping. With uh, shipping being in uh, such a tremendous uh, stage right now, uh, obviously there is a lot of renewed uh, investor interest in shipping. We have seen uh, share valuations uh, increase uh, significantly, uh, new capital to be raised. So without any further delay, I mean, capital is a, a, a Sorry, shipping is a capital-intensive industry, so having the ability to access capital markets is a key component in, in a corporate strategy. I will turn it over to Rob Lustrin of Reed Smith, and here we have a panel of uh, people who are very well known in the industry, who have been around for a long time, and uh, I'd like to thank you all for your support of the Capital Link forums year after year. We couldn't have done it without you, and clearly shipping couldn't have done it without you, so the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Nicholas, and uh, we all appreciate those kind words. Um, it's been a pleasure to work with you over the years, and it's great to be here with all of you today. Uh, I'm, I feel really honored to be here with so many colleagues and friends who have been around the shipping industry for uh, such a long time. And, uh, you know, this is a great moment during the shipping cycle where I think that this is a great time to be speaking about the capital markets, both in the United States in Oslo and elsewhere. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm Rob Lustrin. I'm head of Reed Smith's Shipping Capital Markets team sitting here in New York. Um, our firm has been in the shipping space for many, many years, as you all well know, offices all around the world uh, with 1,700 or more lawyers. Uh, it's really, a, I'm very, very pleased and honored to be representing Reed Smith here today. So. As Nicholas mentioned, we've all seen the major stock indices moving with some degree of volatility in the last couple of weeks, yet the public shipping companies have remained particularly strong. Um, I, would, I would say the container market and the dry bulk sectors have been standouts. We just heard a little bit in the products tanker area from the previous panel, and it seems like uh, at least on Wall Street, there's still quite a positive outlook uh, on our shipping industry and the capital markets both. Of course, we want to hear some more, which is why we're here today. And there's no one better to do that than our panel. And let me introduce them to you now in no particular order, although maybe I'll just go by where the boxes are. Uh, Chris is in my upper left-hand corner. That's Chris Wires, Managing Director and the Head of Maritime Investment Banking at Stiefel. And uh, Chris, shipping industry veteran and uh, uh, been in a lot of deals, as we all know. Uh, below him is Cristobal Pacelli, also uh, been around for just about as long as I can remember, helping shipping companies and offshore companies uh, in the investment banking space. Krista is managing director and head of the maritime investment banking operations at Citi. Uh, on the other side, uh, is Larry Glassberg, a partner and senior managing director of investment banking at Maxim Group. Uh, Larry also, I mean, I remember Larry back from the early to mid 2000s. So uh, we're all, you know, all here committed to the shipping industry. And of course, uh, right beneath me, Marius Halverson uh, from Arctic Securities. He's the head of investment banking in the U.S. for Arctic. Uh, and uh, stalwart in the shipping and offshore industries as well. Uh, and I believe that we may have uh, another fellow joining us in a bit, we'll see. 
So welcome to all. Uh, and what impresses me about the panel, as I said, is that each of the, the folks here and their firms have been committed to the shipping industry for many years and give us their long view perspective. Uh, I'll ask each of the panelists to spend a few minutes first to give us a brief overview of uh, what they see here in the capital markets. Uh, and perhaps let's start with, uh, let's start with Marius, since he's <laughs> below me, we don't want to give preference to the top row. So Marius, take it away. Well, hi, hi Rob, and, and uh, first of all, thank, thank you uh, for, for inviting us to this panel. Very nice to be here. Um, I think, first of all, what a tremendous year 2021 is, or has been so far. Um, so much capital flowing into the business. Um, it's been active in, in every segment, particularly, obviously, the dry bulk, uh, but also containers, needless to say. And we see tankers starting to move again. So it's fun to see. We see the broad spectrum of transactions and a lot of capital. Uh, we have seen high activity in the bond markets, high activity in the equity markets, and also in the in the, um, sort of the MA markets. You know, we saw Herg, Herg family took Herg and Gay Private, uh, KKR bought Ocean Yield, a transaction we advised on, uh, Stone Peak buying TK. So we have had high activity in, in all different segments of the industry, and, and it seems to keep going. And uh, that's uh, very interesting to see. So, uh, you know, at Arctic, we are very optimistic. Um, we had a strong presence in all the transactions this year. And uh, we see the big appetite for, for shipping from investors. Thank you, Marius. Uh, now let's go to Krista. Perhaps you'd like to say a few words to start us off as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, agree with the comments of Marius for sure. It's been an incredibly busy year. Um, you know, one of the trends that, that Marius touched on was the privatizations where, you know, as you see a growing amount of capital coming into the infrastructure sector on the private side, and you've seen a dislocation in the capital markets for many shipping companies that have used structures like the MLP structure, um, that has been one that has led to, to, to some of this result. Um, you know, you've seen investors coming back into some of the sectors that are very strong. You saw the first shipping IPO um, happen in the U.S. in, in about six years um, earlier this year with Zim. Um, and you've seen the bond markets be extremely active, both in Norway and the U.S. Um, and, you know, particularly in the U.S., we've seen um, quite a number of first-time bond issuers um, in, in the container sector come to market. So very busy year. I think we feel um, optimistic going into 2021. Of course, it's a cyclical sector, um, and ultimately, you know, how and when companies choose to to access capital is, is really going to come down to the individual situations. But I'm assuming we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay, thank thank you, Krista. I see that Jay Kwan has just joined us. Jay is the ma managing director and head of corporate finance uh, over at DNB. So welcome, Jay. It's good to see you. Thanks, Rob. And on that note, Jay, maybe you want to say a few words just to open it up uh, and uh, then we'll, we'll move around the, the rest of the pike here. Sure. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Robin. And apologies for being a little late here. Um, uh, appreciate being part of this panel and uh, seeing many, um, many colleagues here on the line. Uh, I think we're looking forward to at some point being able to do this in person here, which is always uh, much better. Um, I think um, I, I heard 
uh, part of what Krista was saying. I, I agree with her assessment, I think, of where the market is. It's been a tremendously busy time here in the markets, I think, particularly in the capital markets for uh, both equity and, and certainly on the bond side as well. I think we are seeing real um, momentum in the shipping space. In particular, I think everyone's focused primarily around the container ship and dry bulk side. But I think right now, um, what has been encouraging to see is I think many people uh, looking at the fundamentals of the business, looking at particularly sectors that may be a little beaten up right now, particularly within the tanker space and mm-hmm. investors actually spending the time and effort to try to better understand the fundamentals of the space. So we've been very encouraged by that. And I think in particular, uh, many investors that maybe um, spend some time away from the sector, revisiting the sector again, looking at it again uh, with a closer eye towards investment. So, um, so that's also been, been good to see. But um, yeah, I look forward to this panel and, and uh, spending time with the colleagues here. Jay, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Chris Wires. Yeah, so, you know, I, I agree with what all the panelists have said. I, I think the markets are, you know, as active as, as we've seen them, um, you know, really since the, um, since the, you know, mid to late 2000s. Um, and I, I think almost all shipping companies, you know, have access to the markets today if, if they want to pursue, you know, capital raises in the markets, both fixed income and equity. The difference, you know, that I see now relative to what we saw, you know, in, in the last upcycle for, for, for shipping is, is, is companies are, you know, not anxious to, um, to expand fleets and to, um, and, and to grow their capital base. I, you know, so, so we haven't seen as much capital raising activity as, you know, we might've suspected, you know, if we looked at this at the, at the beginning of the year, um, but, you know, and, and I think the companies have been doing a good job, you know, not building too many new ships, not not doing the same things that they've done, you know, previously in up cycles that have ultimately resulted in, um, you know, up cycles going going away. So my, 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 my view is, you know, the only reason we haven't seen more activity in the capital markets this year is, is really, you know, companies, you know, focused on repaying debt and paying dividends and, um, you know, returning capital to, um, to, to shareholders and not pursuing, you know, growth at, at, at all costs, which, you know, I, I think is, is, what, is what we saw in previous up cycles. Thank you, Chris. And last, but definitely not least, Mr. Larry Glassberg from Maxim Group. Larry, maybe you'd like to say a few introductory words as well. Yeah, sure. Th- thank you, Robin, and good to uh, see your face again. And uh, Nicholas Bornos, just thank you for uh, for setting up the conference, and good to see all the panelists' faces again. You know, it's 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 interesting times. You know, within the maritime sector. Um, you know, last year, you know, from from Maxim's side, we were very active from a capital raising point of view for for equities in the shipping space. We did about thirty two transactions. Uh, for, for companies during that time period, and this year has already started off pretty rapidly well as doing an, another nine transactions and north of a half a billion dollars in aggregate capital. I would tell you from the equity side, very, very active market. I, I think you will see issuers coming to tap the, the public markets in short order. I think generally speaking, Q3 numbers are going to be very strong. Uh, and I think that's going to add some velocity behind equities uh, in terms of issuers looking to tap the market. Um, I think what's happening too, yes, I would agree that the the bond market is quite active, but I think what a lot of issuers and, and shipping companies have learned from the last cycles are 
you know, moderate leverage at the end of the day is going to help them support their equity prices uh, in downturn. So I think what you might see from, you know, a perspective of, yes, asset prices might be high, but if any of these start to run and companies can put more equity on the balance sheet, that may help them through the next cycle where they come out stronger. It could become aggregators um, to a larger extent uh, as equity prices start to come in. So the next, I'd say, six to 12 months are going to be very interesting from an equity point of view uh, from a capital market standpoint. Okay, thanks for that, Larry. Let's, let's jump right in now that we're on the topic of the equity capital markets. There was a lot of discussion about initial public offerings in the first half of this year. And anecdotally, at least, it seems like there is a fair amount of cash ready to be deployed, particularly by institutional investors, uh, hedge funds, and other newcomers like the infrastructure funds, which we've seen some of the deals at were mentioned earlier, but we are still not, I think, observing right at this point, a bursting pipeline of deals. And therefore I'd like to hear a little bit about what opportunities we think exist right now today in the equity capital markets for shipping companies. And maybe, maybe I'll swing back to Chris uh, uh, to start us off on that topic. Yeah, I think I think the lack of IPOs that we've seen is is you know is 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 really more the result of just you know private companies not being happy with valuations that are in the market. So share prices have gone up quite a lot over the um, over the course of this year, um, but they're still you know in in most sectors well below the value of the underlying assets. So, you know, you know, the IPO market, while it's open, I think for big fleets of, um, of, of private vessels, there just, there just hasn't been, you know, demand to, um, you know, to, to, to tap that market. Um, we, we, we saw Zim go public, you know, I, I think they've got, you know, they, they had special reasons why, why they went public. I, I, I suspect we'll see some other IPOs. We, we may see some spinoffs. I know there's a few companies with, you know, large fleets that, you know, have contemplated, you know, spinning those off into, um, in, into kind of separate public companies. Um, but until values get, you know, a, a little better in, in, the, um, in, in the public equity markets, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of IPOs, <laughs> at least not among traditional shipping companies. Okay, Krista, do you have any comment on that? Krista? Sorry, getting to my unmute button. Okay. Um, no, look, I think that the the pace of IPOs in shipping is is and will be slower than it has been, you know, go back seven or eight years. Um, and I think some of that is just because of all of the different lessons learned that management teams have seen. Um, and, you know, some of that is also just due to, you know, a company coming to the public markets, you know, needs to have a reason, you know, is it, um, there's a set of secondary shareholders that need to have a liquidity event? Is it a company um, needs the access to capital? You know, there's, there's plenty of private companies out there that may never come to the public markets because they don't need to. So I, I really think it comes down um, on a situation basis. I think that um, it, it's not kind of the, the rush to an IPO is the answer. There's all sorts of alternative capital solutions these days that perhaps weren't as robust as, as, as they were in times past. Um, so, so I think we will see some, 
Um, I also think that a lot of the equity activity that you will see will be from the existing public companies. And again, um, as I think you know, Jay had commented, it will depend on when their valuations are right to, to come to the markets. Well, that, that would make a good segue into Jay. Uh, if you have a little more to add uh, on the valuation side uh, and whether or not you feel that right now we're in short order, we might be seeing some more IPO activity. Yeah, Rob, I, I think um, the IPO market, I, I think it's, it's clearly open, but I think there still is a pretty um, important set of parameters uh, that companies have to meet in order to, I think, access the IPO market. Clearly having a very strong um, market within the dry bulk and the containership space is, has been very important. And certainly Zim has been a big beneficiary of that. Um, but I, I think to me, the, the main focus really has been, I would say more on existing holders, existing uh, shareholders who are seeing the opportunity to actually find liquidity now in those shares and actually exiting uh, their, their, their positions, uh, which they in some cases have held on for several years now. And so I would say that the, at least certainly the bulk of the time that we have spent time on as it pertains to equity, I would say has really been focused around existing shareholders and around secondary uh, uh, trades, as opposed to, I think necessarily um, new IPOs, let's say coming to market um, I think there's probably just a handful of names, I would say, who actually could fit the IPO um, uh, parameters that we would look to see. Um, but again, I would say that it's probably been on the secondary side. And then I think on the primary side, um, you know, I, I think the, um, the, the focus there, I think, is really about valuation, but it's also about the, lead for, the need for any liquidity. And as you know, for certain sectors right now, particularly within the dry bulk and containership space, there really is very little need for any additional capital. And so that's why I don't think you're seeing much in the way of call it primary activity, just because again, uh, with companies generating very strong cash flows and shareholders being rewarded, I, I, I just don't see why they would need to necessarily raise any capital. So I think that's also part of the reason why you've, you've seen a little bit, you know, it's been a bit more muted, I would say on the primary capital raising side uh, for, for certain sectors. Okay, uh, Marius, actually I'm interested in your perspective. Uh, no, uh, for, I think- I think secondary activity focus rather No, than I think it was so well covered here. So, uh, so but, but should companies come to market clearly? I mean, this is, this is a pricing issue. Um, as long as the current uh, public companies are trading uh, below their underlying values. There's not going to be a huge upward pressure, and not a not a big wave of companies coming to the market. That goes without saying. Um, these very few companies are so big that you cannot uh, exit these companies in the secondary S and P market. If you if you held assets that you for some reason your fund was about to expire and you had to to roll off some some assets, you can you can do that in the secondary market. So there's always liquidity available. Uh, but look at a company like Western Bulk that came to market recently, though it's an operating company. Uh, but clearly that, that company was massively oversubscribed. Himalaya that just raised money for their new buildings. Clearly there was, was big interest in, in that company. Uh, so, so, so clearly, should companies come to market in this environment, there's clearly a lot of capital available. Yeah, I mean, just out of curiosity, are you hearing anything about perhaps quasi equity-like structures such as uh, NLPs 
or anything of that nature, where, especially in the container shipping area, where you have, you know, people are now, I guess, anecdotally, and seem to be securing longer term charters or fixed rates that might be something interesting from an NLP or uh, a more structured point of view. Yeah, Rob, I'm, I'm not I'm talking happy. about debt, obviously not debt. Yeah. So much. Larry, you might have a... Yeah, I'm happy to touch on that. And, and I think just, you know, listen, I, I would agree, you know, with my panelists in terms of, you know, the, the equity capital markets, you know, just, you know, from a maximum point of view, we are uh, actively on file with a number of IPOs right now within the space. So you're going to see deals coming out from us within the first quarter of this year, both on the asset side and operating side. Um, on the operating side, you know, listen, I think the Western bulk uh, transaction, a good, good uh, oversubscription deal is traded, you know, well, I think there's some uniqueness to those type of platforms that I think could sell well within the market, especially with volatility in, in rates and, and not really having exposure to the asset side and, and having relatively under levered balance sheets. That's an interesting play in a very volatile and cyclical sector. I, I do think certain type of yield plays uh, potentially will have appetite in the market. We are working on one asset-based deal today that is you know, virtually zero to no debt on the balance sheet and coming out from a, from a yield play point of view. But I, I do agree from an asset owner point of view, if, if the public equities are trading on substantial discounts to NAV, it really is a time period of when are you gonna come out because a, a new owner is probably not gonna come out and sell below NAV. If you see one to two quarters where the equities are, are trading at 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 times NAV, you'll probably see more flood of transactions coming out. Whether you're getting out of NAV, a slight discount. At the end of the day, when you put an option pool in place, it kind of all evens out of coming at NAV or maybe to a premium after you bake in a dilution in the overall transaction. So each deal in each company is going to be unique and sizing of those companies you know, we're, we're, we're playing from the maximum point of view is very different where city is from a multi-billion dollar approach to very micro cap type of stories. It's a very different investment profile. One's not better than the other. It's just a very different service that we're providing our issuers and investors in those cycles. Okay, thanks, Larry, for that. That's an interesting perspective. Um, now, on the retail side, I know we're all investment bankers here. <clears throat> But on the retail side of the coin, do you, do you see demand perhaps ramping up for, you know, in the retail market among retail investors for shipping stocks? And if so, could that drive renewed interest in IPOs? Maybe I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I can say within within our retail system at, at, at Stiefel, we, we saw a huge influx of retail demand at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, there were some, you know, very, you know, kind of high net worth retail accounts in our system that took big positions and in, in a number of the dry bulk names, for example, you know, they've obviously done very well with those, um, with those investments. So I think, I think retail demand is, is definitely there to do maritime deals, but the, you know, the bigger picture thing that we've seen with our retail deals, and we do a lot of, you know, $25, par transactions, you know, either preferred or baby bonds, we, we, we call them. Um, historically, those have been sold, you know, kind of 80, 90, you know, even 100% retail. And today, you know, that market, you know, is, is you know, is the, the amount of institutional demand is, is much higher than it used to be. 
So we, we tend to see at least 20% go institutionally. And, and a lot of the transactions we've been doing in this space, um, you know, we've seen as much as 80% get placed institutionally, whereas historically it was the inverse. Um, so so I, I think the institutional demand is, is really where the strength of the, um, of the market is right now. I'm sure retail would want to come, you know, invest in these securities as well. And, and also, at, you know, all the, all the big banks, um, you know, we, we can't do 100% retail transactions anymore. We need institutional verification on these, um, on these $25 par offerings, um, you know, before we place it into retail. And, you know, if we look back a year or two ago, it might have been challenging to get that institutional verification. But today, it, it's been very easy to get the institutional verification. And oftentimes, in the process of getting institutional verification, you can fill out the majority of the book on these um, on, 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 on these offerings just with institutional demand. I'm happy to chime in here. Um, I'd say, and, and I think maybe just to kind of make the distinction, because I think when, when Chris is referring to the $25 par market, um, he's referring to things like the, the preferred market or the baby bond market. And I certainly think in those markets, uh, retail investors are and will continue to be very important. Um, it's not every shipping company that is going to want to layer in um, preferred capital into their capital structure. Um, it can be an efficient form of capital, but, but again, it's not for everyone, but it is a sector where we do see um, our retail investors playing. When it comes to common equity offerings, um, our retail system will play an important role in any transaction that we do. But um, common equity offerings, when you have companies that are accessing institutional capital, institutions that are investing in companies don't want to see transactions that are led by retail. They want to know that there are other high quality institutional investors who are doing the work, who are analyzing the company, who are coming up with a view on value, investing alongside them. So um, on the common equity market, you're, you're not going to see retail investors driving that market. They can be a supporting factor to any transaction. Yeah, and, and I would uh, I would concur with that as well. You know, the the forty-ish deals that we've done, you know, within the market for maritime over the last let's call it eighteen to twenty-four months of the underwritten deals that we did, you know, I would say ninety-five percent had retail participation in them, but the but the deals were being driven by institutions, so they might have been a 70-30 split between institutions or retail on a transaction. Um, you know, I think in this type of market, um, you, do, you do need institutions to go find pricing levels uh, to help build and, and drive retail into a transaction. I was just gonna turn to you as having a, a pretty specialized retail group of folks from my understanding, which is, uh, a, a, again, a more unique perspective. Turning to something a little bit different, Marius and Jay, maybe you can jump in on this. We, we've heard a lot about drybulk. We've heard a lot about container shipping, but I'm wondering whether the outlook, at least in the capital markets for valuation and transactions in the tanker area might be starting to come alive a little bit, particularly in the products tankers, but perhaps also crude and gas. And I was wondering what, whether you can comment on that from a sector-specific point of view. Well, at least from our side, what we see is clearly in the institutional investors are starting to look at the tanker space. They are interested. 
particularly as you see dry bulk and containers has gone up as much as they have and the tankers you know the belief is that as you need feedstock and you need the products to build these things and china needs to restock clearly tankers will have a have, have a run and uh, we see a lot of institutional investors participating in, in being available for for any sort of equity offerings so what might come there absolutely we 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 are very optimistic and we think that there will be an influx of, of investors coming into those sectors. I don't know if Jay has a, a thought or a perspective on that as well. Sure, Rob. I, I guess uh, on your question regarding gas, I would, I would tell you right now that, you know, there's a reason why I think you're seeing so much focus on, uh, on some of the LNG companies that have been taken private, including Hogue and, and, uh, and, the, and the deal announced with TK LNG. I think, you know, when we look at the sector, we are quite bullish around LNG and, frankly, the, the need for LNG going forward. Um, and even with this energy transition, which everyone is focused on, I think you look at all the, the, the stats and the charts. I mean, oil is not going to go away. Gas is not going to go away. And, frankly, gas, I think, is going to take a bigger portion uh, uh, going forward as a need. And so we, we tend to believe that there's a reason why a lot of investors are focused around the gas space. For that reason, and um, and oil, I think you are seeing when you see oil at eighty dollars a share again, eighty dollars a barrel, you, you you start to realize again that the world continues to see the need for oil as again as part of this transition, as we all understand. But but clearly, this is a very very important um, uh, data point for our for our from our perspective as we look at gas and also as as Marius just mentioned on the tanker side as well. So. We, we believe that this will continue to be a very important part going forward, particularly within the maritime space. And, uh, and I think the, the recent transactions kind of point to, again, how institutions feel about the space as well. Thank you, Jay. Uh, why don't we turn a little bit, pivot to the debt capital markets. Uh, I know that there's been quite a bit of activity there. Krista had mentioned that in her opening remarks. And I just read this morning, uh, just looking through some of the shipping news, that capital product partners uh, may be doing a bond in Greece, which is an interesting uh, a thing. So let's talk a little bit about debt capital markets. And what I'm wondering is with all of the discussions that are going on around monetary policy, um, you know, recently US Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, alluded to the US being effectively in a zero interest rate environment. And I'm wondering how this affects the shipping company's ability to raise capital here in the U.S. capital markets and what we're seeing broadly around the world. Uh, so perhaps, uh, you know, maybe you want to kick that off, Chris, as well. Sorry, or me Chris, or Chris? Krista, Krista, Krista. Sorry. Um, sure, I'm happy to. Um, Look, we absolutely right. We we have and will continue to be in a in a very low interest rate environment. What does that mean for shipping companies thinking about the bond markets? Um, I think it you know it, it's all relative. Um, it has been a a good time for shipping companies in certain sectors to think about the bond markets. Um, you know, when you think about the U.S. capital markets, I think really it's a question of what market you're you're talking about in terms of coming to the institutional debt markets. There's differences between the U.S. market, where typically you need to have a rating, you need a bit bigger size, 
Um, so it can work well for larger shipping companies um, that can access the minimum size that are open to getting a rating. And you know, many of these companies have thought about layering in um, either unsecured bonds or secured bonds, but often unsecured bonds can supplement capital structure. I do think that we are in an environment where when you look at the amount of kind of traditional banks that are lending secured capital into the sector, you know, we have been in a period where that has been changing quite dramatically. I think there was a panel um, on that yesterday. And so you've seen alternative capital sources become more important. And, and we believe that the bond markets are a part of that. Um, you know, the comment was also made earlier that, you know, there's been lessons learned in terms of the amount of leverage. So I do think that many management teams are looking to bond markets as part of their overall capital structure strategy as opposed to just putting on excess leverage on balance sheets and, and bond investors care about that as well. So, um, so yes, it, it has been a market that's there um, and you know, it has been a, a good year for companies that have thought about these markets. Maybe we can move uh, on to Marius. You might have a few words there. How, how wide is the lane for shipping within the debt capital markets that you're seeing in terms of the overall debt capital markets? And is there a possibility? Well, uh, yes, absolutely. As, as we have seen recently, um, let's take uh, some of the few. Uh, first of all, I think it's really interesting that, that um, Capital Product Partners is trying to now raise upon $170 million in, in Greece. Costamara did it with $120 million, and, and uh, I'm sure Capital Product Partners will be successful as well. Um, as into the zero, zero interest rate environment, clearly when you look at a company you're like you're everyone's benefit all the end clearly issues a benefit from it capital is flowing in for alternative uh, return in abundance and and the rates are low uh euro now did 200 million dollars at six uh, and a quarter you know that's 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 a that's a that's a, that's a local bond uh sfl did uh, 150 million dollars at seven and a half and and uh, diana at uh, at uh, seven and three eight so you know, I, I think it's clear that uh, there's, there's uh, that's, that was for Diana, 125 million dollars. So it, it's it's, um, it's it's a lot of demand right now for for larger uh, uh, sorry larger bond offerings in the shipping sector. Hey, uh, 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 Chris Wires, uh, perhaps you have a thought there as well. You know, I'm just I'm just looking at like my pricing sheet of. Um, of, of kind of, you know, shipping companies with, with bonds outstanding. And, you know, the, as a group, the yield, you know, is incredibly low. It's, you know, probably in the, in the 5% area right now for unsecured, you know, bonds in, in the space, that's dramatically lower than I can ever remember it being. So I, I, I you know, the, I think the debt markets are, you know, very attractive kind of source of capital for these shipping companies. I do agree with what Krista says, though. Like, you know, we, we talk to a lot of companies about doing U.S. bonds. And unless it's a really large, you know, U.S. bond and unless they're willing to, you know, get a credit rating, they tend to get, you know, better execution in, 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 in the Norwegian market. Um, so I, I think we, we, we've seen a movement of debt, you know, I'd say away from the U.S. into, um, into Norway. Um, 
just because you know the the the, the yields in Norway for for these smaller issues are you know substantially lower than what you can do in the um in in, in the U.S. market. I, I do hope that changes, but you know that's kind of been the case for a while now. So anyway, congrats, Marius and Jay for. <laughs> you know, being able to, you know, get, you know, this attractive capital in, in, in Europe for these companies. So Jay, maybe I should have started this with you, but perhaps you have the perspective from your shop on what's happening. Yeah, yeah sure. I, I think, um, I think the panel's covered it well. I mean, I think that the key for Norway, as you know, or using the Norwegian documentation for these bond deals is is really because of size and the, and the credit ratings that that has been mentioned. That's I think and I think for um, what we're seeing right now is you know when we say Nordic bond, it's not really Nordic investors only, right? So it's you know there's some perception that this is all Norway driven, but it really is a combination of, of Nordic investors as well as uh, continental Europe, uh, UK, US, and Asia, and so. Um, when you look at some of the bond deals that have been recently placed, um, you know, we've had a lot of a lot of demand just not coming just out of the Nordics, but really it has been pretty nicely spread out across various geographies. It's really just the documentation that's been done so that it, it can, one, you know, be of a size that um, is probably too small for your traditional U.S. high yield benchmark offering. And secondly, it's because you don't have to uh, have the credit ratings associated with that for a traditional U.S. offering as well. So, but I, I think certainly given the low interest rate environment we've been in, there's it's no surprise that we've seen many issuers take advantage of the market, and and I think that will hopefully continue through the end of this year. Um, I think uh, everyone's I've seen so many different forecasts on where Treasuries will be uh, by the end of this year. So we will wait and see what happens, and we'll see what happens with the Fed. Um, obviously, uh, taking away some of the uh, some of the support that they provided over the over this period of the pandemic. So, um, but so far, I, I think we still continue to see quite a bit of interest, um, certainly within the bond market today. Uh, Larry, I, actually, this is an interesting topic. You, I know that your shop has been primarily involved in equities as long as as long as uh, I can remember. And you've done obviously some debt deals as well, but are you seeing capital in the capital markets here at least companies trying to do deals hand in hand, equity and debt together, and try to manage the balance sheet that way? Yeah, listen, I, I think we're we're in a time period where people are trying to rejigger their balance sheet, right? Low cost of capital, underlying asset prices have, have gone up, and equity values have gone up. So if you, if you listen to the themes that are going on here, right? You know, Chris is talking about lowest yields he's seen for shipping companies. A year to 18 months ago, those would have been all like high yield, right? So that basically means equity prices have increased. What we're starting to see and where we've spent a lot of time in the last two years is equity, equity linked type of transactions. So whether it's a common deal, trade common deal or a common deal with warrants, right? Someone wants some optionality on asset price appreciation. I think what we're starting to see is the convert market, you know, generally speaking, is pretty open. Uh, as you start to see asset prices going up and more liquidity in a lot of the names that are out there, you're probably gonna see start seeing the convert market be more active uh, within a lot of these names. And I, I can tell you is we're getting every single day uh, inbound calls from, from a convert point of view within the sector. Thank you, Larry. Uh, that, that, which interesting point, I suppose, that we can think about a little bit 
do any of you, and I'll kind of open this up to the panel, does anyone see the, the capital markets in general being crowded out a little bit by some of these large infrastructure funds? I know we talked about that a little bit earlier on. Are they taking up a lot of the bandwidth um, or are, are you seeing it more uh, spread more uh, evenly among those type of funds, the larger infrastructure funds, the traditional PE investors, other hedge funds that traditionally invested in debt? Uh, what, what's, what's the makeup there? Maybe Marius, what, what are you seeing there as who's buying yeah, no, for, for, for us, I mean, uh, to see this big infrastructure fund comes in, that's great. You know, we, we, any interest uh, in this industry and these sectors are, are, is wonderful. But, uh, but uh, we, we don't see one group of investors crowding out the space here. We, we see a geographical distribution of investors. Um, we see different types of investors from the retails that we discussed earlier up through family offices and hedge funds and, and, and long-only funds. Long-only funds have come in more and more and more over the last year. Um, and, and we see that trend continues. So, uh, so we see broad particip participation, um, but uh, we don't see any particular group, like you mentioned, uh, cr crowding, crowding the space. That, that, that's helped. That's, that's nice to hear, actually. So. But I would maybe add just another thing there, Rob, like at least my, my view is, um, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, and, and shipping have been undervalued for a long time. I, I think the infrastructure funds, you know, demonstrate that, you know, within, you know, the shipping universe that, you know, fits their investment profile, which are companies, you know, with long-term charter coverage, you know, pretty stable cash flows that, you know, that they do have a lower cost of capital today than the public equity investor. Um, you know, so far, you know, the activity, the go private activity we've seen has really been limited to the, um, to, to, to the infrastructure funds. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see values move higher relative to asset values for, for some of the, um, you know, traditional dry bulk and tanker companies. If, if you wouldn't see, you know, some private equity funds starting to come back into the space there as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing it today, but, you know, I, I, I think... I think the public markets, you know, unfortunately are still, you know, charging a, a pretty high, you know, capital return requirement to, um, to, to the public shipping companies. Um, and we'll see, we'll see where it takes us, you know, as the year progresses. Yeah. And, and I would agree with that. Listen, it's a risk reward, you know, what, what type of equity terms you're looking at, you know, I think the infrastructure is coming into the space you know, when and if they do, right? I think that's a net positive. Um, you know, I think to be broadly, you know, based from, from a maximum practice point of view. So, um, you know, we look at kind of the energy industrial infrastructure uh, markets where you have a lot of investors that are converging onto the same cyclical themes, right? If you can get a view on underlying asset prices and the energy flows or the input for each one of those things, you typically convert an energy buyer into an infrastructure buyer, an infrastructure buyer into a maritime buyer if they understand those things. So more eyes on it, more press that's out there, more people following the industry, that's just gonna drive people into the sector and where they invest along the value chain, right? I think a lot of people that are looking at tankers today probably missed the trade early on on dry bulk. So they're, they're trying to play that same trade 
uh, to a certain extent. But, you know, I think ultimately next six to 12 months, there will be more dollar flows into the sector as a whole. I think that's very optimistic. And I, I think all of us here today would love to see as much interest by as diverse a group as possible in the shipping companies generally and in the capital markets uh, securities of, of our of companies in our industry. Uh, we're running a little bit short on time. So I, what I'd like to do is just go around again and just have some, each of you uh, give us a few of your closing remarks. And if, if you could maybe suggest to some of the viewers here what they can do as owners to prepare themselves to tap the capital markets, There's something that they can do to help position themselves a little bit better, get some better visibility perhaps. Maybe Jay, uh, we can start with you. Sure, Rob, um, and, and thank you again for, um, for the opportunity to be part of this panel. I, I think, um, you know, my closing remark is I think this is a really exciting time to be uh, in, in the sector. I, I think there is so much transition that's happening. And, you know, during this transition, this is usually when you like to see things, uh, things, are, uh, things get shaken up. And I think you start to see different pieces fall into place, certain winners, certain losers. And again, from my perspective, I think the, the interest in the sector has actually really, um, I would say expanded certainly over the last um, six to 12 months. I think we're seeing a lot of new uh, entrants, new, new investors looking into the space. And many of them we, we talked about on this, on this panel about with, certainly with infrastructure funds. Um, so I, I view this as a really exciting time to be looking into the sector. In terms of um, how companies can prepare, uh, you know, what I would say is we've, you know, we've, we've spoken to many companies, obviously, both um, uh, who are looking at capital markets um, opportunities. And I would say for the most part, you know, many of them are quite sophisticated. They all have various filings in place and the like. Um, I would say that, you know, part of it is really about the outlook in the sector. It's about, to me, it's always about cash flows. And if, if you're seeing strong cash flows in the sector, that's really the momentum that you need, frankly, to go ahead and take advantage of the capital markets. Um, and then, then, it, then it comes back to structure and security at, 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 at that point. So I, I think for the most part, I, I'd say, you know, most of the people we deal with, Rob, they're quite sophisticated. Uh, they, they know how to, you know, view the capital markets. I think we try to guide them in terms of both timing and, uh, and the things that are important for investors. So we can make sure that those are highlighted up front. But, um, you, but again, I, I, I think that's probably a good summary from my end. Thanks, Jay. Maybe Chris, if you have a few closing words. Yes. I mean, I, I agree with Jay and I think all the other panelists that, you know, the, the number of per participants on the buy side that are interested in, in shipping is, is, is really at a historic high. I think it's probably, you know, as strong as it was, you know, back in, you know, the mid to late 2000s. Um, I think shipping companies as a, as a rule of thumb have become much more conservative. Um, they're really focused on, you know, kind of generating returns and, and distributing money back to, um, to, to shareholders. And, you know, the fact that the shipyards are filled up you know, with, with new build capacity, you know, really primarily around the container and, and, and LNG spaces means, you know, even if you wanted to build more dry bulk ships, because it does make economic sense to build dry bulk ships today, or if you wanted to build tanker ships, you know, 
in a year or two when 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 the tanker markets you know improve like the dry bulk markets have there there's just limited ability to um to to build new ships and you 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 do see in 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 the space that these kind of ESG investors like taking prominence as well you know we've seen a lot of capital raises that we've done you know big funds saying you know they're not investing in oil um so you know, I, I think that's kind of a little bit of a negative backdrop to the to the space in 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 general. But you know, we 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 see the press about energy prices spiking, and we all know we need a transition period to go green. So I, I think the momentum will shift back, you know, towards you know towards these um you know these these shipping companies. Thanks, Chris. Krista, maybe you have a we're getting real short here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll be very brief. I mean, I I guess what I would say is when it comes to raising capital, there's not, you know, one formula that that fits all. You you need to be raising capital when it makes sense for your capital structure. Um, I'm glad Chris brought up ESG. We haven't really talked about that, but I guess as I think about, you know, what would be the one thing I'd leave owners with thinking about coming to the capital markets is, you know, you have to be thinking about talking about your ESG strategy. You know, what does the energy transition mean for your company? Um, it's a driving theme across both private and capital markets today. Uh, Larry? Yeah, I'll be brief as well. Just like most cyclical industries where there is a small window like the maritime industry, you need to move yesterday. So if you're contemplating doing something in the public markets, you need to be prepared. And when I, when I speak to issuers that are looking at the public markets, an option to go public through a public offering, getting a prospectus on file is a relatively cost-effective option. So that if you hit the window in the next three to nine months to sell into it, you wanna sell all day long because that's when the valuations are typically gonna be open for you to, to do it. Then I think Thanks, that's where you're gonna see people targeting the market soon. Thanks, I've got a Marius, take us <laughs> yeah, I think that was a very good point made. That speed, speed is the key, absolutely. And uh, and used to, if you are issuing any any sort of financial doc or any any paper, uh, uh, utilize the market when it's there. It's been a tremendously exciting year. We have seen M&A transactions, public to private bond transactions, equity transactions. Um, so you know, from Arctic's point of view, we've been. We've been involved in a large number of these. So if you have any questions in terms of or any ideas about accessing the market, give us a call. I'm sure you will take something uh, meaningful from a conversation with us. Thank you all, Chris, Krista, Marius, Jay, and Larry. Thank you all. And thank you, Nicholas. Thank you from me as well. Great panel as expected uh, and great topic. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.